Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I'm happy to have you. I want your attention, please. I... I, 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 I really, 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 I, I need to talk to you about a, a topic. And I, I, I begin this, well, want to have a grown-up conversation with you. And I begin this knowing some of you are going to vehemently disagree with me. Um, I, I understand the disagreement. I don't want to lose my audience being argumentative with you all, but I, I really, I've been thinking more and more about this. And as I've mentioned before, you know, when I was a campaign consultant, I would tell candidates, you know when you're the minority, even when you think you're right. And I, I think I'm right, even if I'm in the minority. And I want to go way, way back to June of 1940. So my son, one of his favorite movies is The Darkest Hours, the Gary Oldman movie about Winston Churchill. And the very end of the movie, he gives his famous speech, we will fight on the beaches, we will fight on the landing grounds. Uh, if this island should fall, and I don't think it will, the, the, the British Empire across the seas will defend us until the new world with all its power and might. It's this rousing thing, and the House of Commons roars to life. And, and uh, it is Winston Churchill is said by his opponents, he uh, took the English language to war. In fact, what's notable about that very famous speech is he used uh, words that were uh, Anglo-Saxon words, not German words. A lot of uh, British language had been co-opted by the Germans as the uh, Normans had conquered it. He made sure to use the words of the English language. It was a rousing, rousing speech in that Gary Oldman movie. Now, I'm going to play it for you, but I'm not going to play you the Gary Oldman one. I'm going to play you the very end of Winston Churchill's speech to Parliament. I think it was June 4th, was it, 1940? As the Battle of Britain is about to begin, Hitler, uh, we, the um, British have been rescued from the beaches, uh, and now the Battle of Britain is about to begin. The Nazis are preparing an invasion of the island, uh, there was a war council in Great Britain. They really wanted to try to seek peace with Hitler. Churchill was arguing against it and was begging the Americans to get involved. He was begging the Americans to get into the in, into the war, and the Americans were dragging their feet. Uh, and in fact, there, there was this this one point where the British needed bombers, and Franklin Roosevelt suggested he could run bombers up to the border of Vermont and Canada. Get them right on the line, and if the British came across and pulled the planes across the border into Canada, well, and we just wouldn't stop them, and we wouldn't have broken our obligations and, and federal law, and, and the British could get the planes. It, it was absolutely a wild situation because the American people, after World War One, had become deeply isolationist. They wanted no part in Europe's wars, kind of like where we are now. Churchill sees the writing on the wall and he gives the speech in Parliament. And it is not the uproarious speech that leads people into standing ovations in the House of Commons. It's actually way more subdued than that. This is the actual audio of Winston Churchill addressing the British Parliament. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. 
We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it was subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. The new world with all its power and might steps forward to the rescue of the old. That new world was the United States of America that Churchill was talking about. And when the war was concluded in 1945, the United States, the Western Hemisphere, with the exception of Pearl Harbor, was spared the destruction of Europe and Asia. And Churchill was one of many who recognized that the dynamics had changed. The Soviets were on the rise, replacing their cousins, the Nazis. The Nazis and the Soviets were kissing cousins. They had been allies till Hitler betrayed Stalin. China was falling to the communists. Britain's empire was beginning to collapse. Germany was rubble. So was parts of France and the rest of Europe. And so Churchill understood more than most that for the Western world order to survive, it needed to be placed into the hands of the Americans as trustees of Western civilization. George Marshall, Harry Truman, even Franklin Roosevelt, Forrest Beth, they, they un understood where this was headed. And generations of American presidents on the Democratic and Republican Party side both recognized they had a stewardship commitment to Western civilization. And in fact, so 80 years ago, the war ends, Winston Churchill becomes one of those who believes we have to place the Western order into the hands of the Americans to protect it. And about 75 years ago, you began to get agitation funded by the Soviets through American college campuses that this is a bad thing, that the United States should not be in charge, that the United States is bad. This comes to a head, actually, at the Democratic Convention in 1968. Lyndon Johnson, in March of that year, saw the writing on the wall and realized he could not continue on as the American president. He gives up. There's a huge fight at the Democratic Convention. There are riots in the streets in Chicago between the liberals and progressives of the Democratic Party, those who believed the United States should still lead the world versus those who wanted to give it up. And the American-hating left lost. Seated the ground for Richard Nixon, who paved the way for peace with China for a time. And the Republicans continued to win over time on the issue of national security, including Ronald Reagan, over this idea of stewardship of the Western world. 
the left over time began to win. And when Barack Obama became president, Barack Obama went around the world apologizing for the things the United States had done. The wokes had captured the Obama administration and understood that the progressive dream of getting rid of the United States at the top of the world was within reach. And weirdly and strangely, over the last several years, large portions of the right have begun to agree with them, pejoratively speaking of American empire, that we should allow the allies to take care of themselves. We need to be isolated and remove ourselves from the affairs of the world. It's loud voices on the right now don't want us to fund Ukraine or even Taiwan or Israel to a degree. They they want us to just leave the world alone. Admiral Yamamoto famously was uh, alleged to have written in his diary that he feared Japan was waking a sleeping giant in the United States by bombing Pearl Harbor. There are a lot of people on the far left and now the far reactionary right who want the sleeping giant to go back to sleep. Unfortunately for them, what they don't seem to realize is that if the sleeping American giant, if the tired American giant lays back down the power and might that Winston Churchill recognized we had, that our enemies will conspire to snuff us out while we sleep and we will not rise again. I understand, particularly as the Republican Party becomes a party of the working class, a lot of people in the working class have not traveled to Europe or Asia. It's easy to listen to Tucker Carlson and hear what he thinks about uh, Russia and see his Potemkin images and not actually know if you go to Moscow, Moscow is a third world hellhole. You wouldn't know this from Tucker Carlson, but uh, the median income in Moscow and in Russia as a whole is less than Mexico. Your average Mexican is richer than your average Russian, and all the Mexicans are fleeing to the United States. But it's easy to delude delude ourselves because we haven't traveled there, and we we don't recognize, and, and those of us who believe the United States must preserve its world order have a hard time explaining the benefits of the United States leading the world. You know, essentially... The the United States Senate wants to send $90 billion, not just to Ukraine, but to Ukraine, Taiwan, and Israel so that Ukraine and Taiwan can kill commies so that our soldiers don't have to, and Israel can kill Hamas without us having to kill these terrorists. According to the Heritage Foundation, in 2022, the United States misspent $250 billion. I just find it very interesting that the people who say we need to not fund Ukraine because of corruption and misspending the money there, they don't seem concerned with the $250 billion being misspent here. And never mind that a lot of the money going to Ukraine, Taiwan, and Israel would actually come back to the United States in the forms of weapon purchases, providing jobs for Americans. But also, this is the thing I, I, I just I want you to take to heart. If we give up our leadership role as the stewards of Western civilization, and we lay down our power and might. Someone's going to pick it up and use it, and it's going to be someone who doesn't like us. We talk a lot about Americans right now, and microeconomically at our household level, we're not doing great. But macroeconomically, we're doing better than everywhere else. If you want to see what it means to be the steward of the West, consider Germany is economically stagnating. 
Great Britain is economically stagnating. Canada is economically stagnating. They have higher inflation than us. They have higher unemployment than us. They have higher costs than us. They have higher interest rates than us. And the reason they do is because the world is built around the United States being the leader of the Western world. China is trying to get countries to use Chinese currency in trade and transactions. And it's very hard to do because the whole world trades in dollars. Not all of the world trades in China's currency, but the whole world trades in the American country uh, currency. The result is that our transaction costs globally are less. So it's easy for you to say we should stop being involved around the world and we should come home and we should give up and this America empire building is garbage. I'm not saying nation building. But a lot of you have this idea of the American empire. We should give it up. The cost is too great. You know what the cost would be if you gave it up? You'd have the interest rates that Europe has right now. You'd have the inflation that Europe has right now. You'd have the unemployment that Europe has right now. Why? Because the United States gets the favorable rates in trade. The United States gets the favorable rates in currency exchange. The United States gets the favorable rates in every transaction on the planet because we lead the world. There are lots of people who say, well, we can't afford it anymore. We can't afford We can't afford not to. See, now I know I've got the harder, harder issue and the harder side of the argument here because I've got to prove something you haven't experienced. You haven't been to Europe to see what the mortgage rates are. You haven't been to Europe to see what the interest rates are. You haven't been to Europe to see how the, the unemployment rate is. You haven't been to Europe to see the economic stagnation. They have those things, and we don't because we lead the world. You sit down and say, look, we can't afford this anymore. You're going to be paying higher mortgage rates. You're going to be paying higher cost of goods. You're going to be paying higher prices at the grocery store. You're going to be paying higher higher interest rates. You're going to be paying a lot, and you're going to see a lot more wars. Far better for us to let the Ukrainians and the Taiwanese kill commies than for American soldiers to do it. That's what it means to be the leader of the world. Our foreign foreign budget is 1% of the overall federal budget. 1%, that's it. 1%. And that 1% buys us the goodwill to not have to have troops all over the world like the British Empire had to have. We have troops in portions of the world, but not nearly as expansive as the British Empire had to have. Our 1% of the federal budget that goes to foreign aid actually buys a lot of goodwill around the world, keeps the Chinese from getting it, and preserves American sovereignty and stewardship of the Western order. There are a lot of Americans who simply haven't traveled the world to be able to see what it's like to be an American compared to everyone else. And there are a lot of people who now have grabbed hold of that to convince you there's no reason for us to keep it up. There's no reason for us to support our allies. I'm telling you, as someone who grew up abroad, who has traveled the world over, you decide we can't afford it, you're going to be able to not afford a lot of things. Because when you decide we can't afford to maintain the American world order, it becomes a Chinese world order. And you will pay through the nose in ways you cannot imagine. And if you don't believe me, go to Asia, go to Africa, and go to Europe. And look at what's happening to their economies that are not ours. We will become like them. It's a choice. Decline is a choice. Too many Americans have decided we must decline because we can't afford it. Never mind that we spend $250 billion a year in wasted payments from the federal government and somehow you think that we should give up $90 billion as opposed to fixing the federal budget. we got to secure the border. we got to do all these things. But we've got to lead the Western world order or someone else will, and it will be to our disadvantage. When the world seems crazy, he'll keep 
you say. It's the Eric Erickson Show. You can be live on Eric's show by calling 877-97-ERIC. That's 877-973-7425. I went long in the last segment. We got people on the phones. Be patient with me, please, because I want to take all of your phone calls. I just have like 40 seconds here. That would be a real disservice. And in those 40 seconds, I do want you to know, big news. My buddy Will Hild um, runs an anti-ESG group. He's been calling out uh, this global uh, climate action group that banks have been a part of. Well, it turns out J.P. Morgan has left uh, this coalition of uh, climate action, uh, essentially recognizing that it would be bad for them to stay in it as the Congress under Jim Jordan's committee starts probing them. Uh, really good news uh, that uh, J.P. Morgan and others, uh, BlackRock, it looks like they're going to be leaving this group as well. A number of others defunding this climate action group that was designed to pressure businesses on global warming. Now, i got to tell you guys about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Some of you are new here, and you haven't heard my praise of this product. I love the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. They've been a long-time advertiser. They stepped away for a little bit. They've come back. Their Thunderstorm is an air purifier that you can hold in the palm of your hand. You can plug it up with a USB cord in your car, or you can plug it up into the wall, and it wipes out odors. So if someone smoked in your rental car, true story work happened with me, it'll wipe out those odors. Somebody smoked in your hotel room, wipe out those odors. You got a litter box that stinks, you can leave the Eden Pure in the room with litter box. It'll wipe out those odors. Pet odors, litter box odors, cooking odors, smoky odors, musty odors, all bad odors. It can wipe them out. You can get uh, buy one and get one for free right now. There's a BOGO deal going on. What you do is you go to the website, EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com, and you put in the discount code Eric Bogo, E R I C K B O G O. You buy one, you get one free. Buy two, get two free. Buy three, get three free. Eric Bogo is your code, E R I C K B O G O, at EdenPureDeals.com. He's got the courage to tell you the truth because the truth is what matters. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show. Hello there, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The full number, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Let me go to the phones. Mary's been waiting patiently. Welcome to the show, Mary. How are you? Hello, Eric. Thank you for taking my call. And you were right. Uh, I vehemently disagree with your premise um, regarding the, the history that you that you shared. And I want to if I could just have a minute and a half to tell you why. Okay. Um, I'm first of all, I am well-traveled. I've been to Europe four times. I've been to Mexico, been to Canada, have not been to Asia, but I'm also well-read. And if you can't be well-traveled, be well-read. And um, in 1971, Richard Nixon, uh, as a result of all of the spending of the sixties, took us off the international gold standard. And ever since then, there's been a dollar debasement going on, and so that our dollar is worth about 2% of what the 1971 dollar was worth. Um, as a result of, of the petrodollar, which Henry Kissinger negotiated with the Saudis, where we swapped uh, contracts in oil for dollars in return for our protection of Saudi Arabia, um, that, too, we have had to run constant deficits in order to be the world reserve currency in terms of the dollar. And what that's led to is $34 trillion in debt, which we did not have in 1971. And uh, our interest this year on our debt will be over a trillion dollars and will keep rising. 
um, the debt could well be $40 trillion by 1231. So essentially, we cannot afford all of these foreign wars, none of which have we won nor declared through Congress since World War II. Um, I think China is a much greater threat to the United States than Russia. We don't have a dog in the fight in Ukraine. And our border, we could secure it today, and we'd still have to deal with over 20 trillion illegals here, um, many of whom are unvetted terrorists and mean to do us harm, especially um, the people from China. You know, yes, as a matter sir. of fact, there was a, a story yesterday or this morning that uh, we're seeing five times more Chinese coming across the border right now than we, than we have before. Um, I, I, I would take issue, though, and, and again, yes, be well-read. You're right. If you can't be well-traveled, be well-read, but it also depends on what you're reading. Uh, our federal debt doesn't come from getting rid of the gold standard. In fact, we got rid of the gold standard, as did everyone else. And, and what is the standard around the world now? The American dollar. Uh, our dollar has become essentially the the gold standard for the world, uh, which gives us favorable trading rights. Uh, and, you know, it's actually not a bad thing. The gold standard, it, although it's idolized, it's been turned into an idol by a lot of people, uh, was not actually a stable thing for the United States or the rest of the world to maintain uh, with gold reserves around the world. We also, by the way, uh, have a, a massive pile of gold reserves if we needed it. But our our federal debt has nothing to do with getting off the gold standard. Our federal debt has to do with Ronald Reagan understood he could bankrupt the Soviet Union because they were communist, and it drove up our national debt. We've been driving up ever since with war spending and domestic spending, and now because of our social security safety net. Most of our federal debt is because not of rampant discretionary spending in the government, but because of our social safety net. Uh, it has nothing to do with the gold standard, none whatsoever. Nixon getting us off the gold standard actually was a good thing for the American economy because it then set the United States as the reserve currency for the world, and the global conversion rate for cash is in American dollars now, not gold. That gives us a benefit. So if you've gone around the world, you know that uh, around the world they have higher interest rates. We would have those if we don't lead. They have higher mortgage rates. We would have those if we don't lead. They have higher currency conversion rates. Y'all want to pay three times more for the products you're buying right now? That's what will happen if we don't lead the world. Y'all want to pay higher interest rates? You know, the average interest rate in the world, or the median interest rate in the world now, is higher than ours. Why is ours lower than everywhere else? Because the whole world converts its currency into American dollars. Another benefit of not having the gold standard. Uh, yeah, I, I, and I realize that there, there are people who, who fixate on, well, the gold standard was a good thing. Um, where very few people in living memory appreciate the gold standard, but we have now converted the entire world into using the American dollar, and it gives us trading benefits around the world. It keeps our costs low. Um, everyone who says we can't afford to continue doing this doesn't appreciate how much you won't be able to afford if we're not leading the world. And that gets me to Tucker Carlson and his Moscow nonsense. We used to all be, I don't know what's happened to the right. I, I, I honestly, people, I, I, I don't mean this insulting to anyone, but I, people on the right have lost their damn mind. You've got people on the left who are convinced boys can become girls. You've got people on the right convinced that Moscow and Russia are better than the United States. This is Tucker Carlson. If you haven't seen this, this is Tucker Carlson cheering on the Russians. There's no graffiti. There's no filth. There are no foul smells. There are no bums or drug addicts or rapists or people waiting to push you onto the train tracks and kill you. No. It's perfectly clean and orderly. And how do you explain that? We're not even going to guess. That's not our job. We're only going to ask the question. And if your response is to shout at us slogans dumber than the slogans we used to call Soviet, 
and mock, that's not really an answer. How does Russia, a country we're told is a gas station with nuclear weapons, have a subway station that normal people used to get to work and home every single day that's nicer than anything in our country? I know the answer. I know the answer. Before Russia existed, there was this thing called the Soviet Union, and the Soviets kidnapped a group of Russian engineers and used them as slave labor to build a Potemkin village underground called the Russian subway system. And it is elaborate. You have stained glass windows, you have murals, you have chandeliers. And in that area to this day, the Russians keep that section of the Russian subway system spotless. You don't see the graffiti, you don't see the gangs, you don't see the kids who are huffing uh, glue fumes. You, you don't see any of that. In that area where Tucker Carlson was, the Russians, just like the Soviets before them, because they really are the same thing, they keep it extremely spotless and clean so that when people like Tucker Carlson come in, they say, oh, my God, why is our subway system so much worse than this? How come we can't have what they have? Well, we can't have what they have because they're called a totalitarian regime like the North Koreans, who have a very beautiful and clean subway system themselves, that they will gladly show foreigners as proof of how the decadent West is collapsing. This is absolutely insane that Tucker Carlson would do this. He went to a grocery store in Moscow and said, oh, my God, everything is so cheap here. Well, of course it's cheaper because you're a rich Westerner. It's actually very difficult for your average Russian to buy groceries there because Russians make one-fifth of what we make, and the groceries are still too expensive for them. Walter Durante was a propagandist for the Soviet Union who got paid by the New York Times to cover up all sorts of horrors from the Soviets. And Tucker Carlson has decided to embrace Duranteism on behalf of the Putin regime. It really was remarkable to see this. And he knows better. Tucker Carlson actually knows better. So I can only presume that what Tucker Carlson is doing is he's hoping that you're too stupid to know the truth. Let me give you the truth. More than a third of the people in Moscow don't actually have running water in their homes. Do you, do you think that's better than, than here? Do you, do you think that's better? Um, do, do you think it's better? Let, let me give you some data here. Russia leads the developed world with the worst sanitation record, according to the London-based Water Aid Non-Governmental Organization. Official data placed the number of Russians whose households are only equipped with outhouses at 35 million, or roughly a quarter of the population. Of the 22.6% of households without a centralized sewage system, 16.8% use a system of pipes connected to pit toilets. RBC cited the state statistics service, Rostat, as a, and that's the Russians' own statistics service. The other 5.8% lack a sewage system altogether. In rural Russia, two-thirds of people have no access to indoor toilets. If you go to Moscow... If you go to Washington, D.C., if you go to Washington, D.C., I'm taking my son in a couple weeks to Washington, D.C. on a class trip. We'll stay in the downtown mall area. They have beautiful museums. There's homeless people. There's some, but not a lot. There are these huge monuments, and it's glorious. It's gorgeous. You go about five blocks away from it, you're in a crime-ridden hellhole. Guess what? Same thing in Moscow. Same thing in Moscow. In Moscow, you go to the Kremlin and the grocery stores around the Kremlin, they're pristine. The subway is clean. It's beautiful. You have Tucker Carlson say, why can't we have nice stuff like this in our neck of the woods? You go five blocks over, it's a hellhole. Do you know in Moscow, back in the in the 60s and 70s, they widened the streets in Moscow so that they could run missiles down in a big May Day parades and show the Russian nukes. They had to widen the streets. You know how they did it? They literally pulled buildings off their foundations to stretch the roads and then propped the buildings up with brick, and they're still there. Some of them fall over. It's You never know this if you listen to Tucker Carlson. 
how did some people on the populist right decide they wanted to attack the United States by praising Russia? What has happened to people? Russia is a third world world hellhole that we consider developed because they have a massive nuclear arsenal. A few years ago in the Russian provincial city of Berinsk, a mother was walking with her young child on a public sidewalk and fell into a portion of the walkway. It collapsed because of an unmaintained sewer pipe. Her son, one and a half years old, was swept by the force of the water, drowned. It had been built in the 1950s, hadn't been modernized. People had been warning about it. You know what they did? They killed the whistleblower. They blamed the whistleblower. It's, it's remarkable that Tucker Carlson would go to Russia and sing the praises of a grocery store in Moscow. That's what Bernie Sanders did. Bernie Sanders went to Moscow and praised the bread lines as proof that no one was going hungry. You on the right, you got upset with Bernie Sanders for his propaganda. You should be as condemnatory of Tucker Carlson. He wants to say, why, why, or why, why does Russia have nice subways like this? Ride the whole subway line. You'll see the drug addicts. Russia has the highest rate of divorce in the world, the highest rate of suicide in the world, the highest rate of alcoholism in the world, the highest rate of drug abuse in the world, has massive organized crime. What you, the tourists, see in Moscow is not Moscow. You should understand this. Most Americans did. Tucker can show you the elaborate, nice subway systems. I can take you to Pyongyang, North Korea, and show you a very nice, clean, spotless one, so clean you can eat off the floor. And super safe, too, in North Korea. The Soviets literally used kidnapped British engineers to build that subway system. He doesn't want to tell you that. He doesn't, doesn't want to tell you the truth. He wants to raise questions of, oh, people are attacking me. Why are they attacking me? Because they don't have the answers. No, I've just given you guys the answers here. It's a facade. It's a Potemkin village. Potemkin was Catherine the Great's general she fell in love with. And he conquered Crimea and he built fake villages along the river. So as she sailed down the river, she saw these facades and there was nothing there. And historically, what it actually was is he was showing the potential of these villages. He built these fake villages. Nobody lived there. They were elaborate. And it was to show what could be under Mother Russia's regime. And today, we use the idea of the Potemkin villages as, as a shell, a fake to to make it pretend, to make it seem real, and it's not. These subway lines in Russia are Potemkin villages for the tourists. They're propaganda built by the Soviets, maintained by the Russians. And Tucker Carlson fell for it, but he knows better. He just thinks you're too stupid to know better. That's disrespectful to you, the audience. It should be horrific for us to now see the reactionary right become like progressives. They hate America, and they praise our enemies, and the Russians are our enemies. Vladimir Putin is no friend of ours. The far left loves Russia, too. And they love China more now because China is authentically communist. The far right to fall in love with the Russians who hate the United States, that's a terrible warning sign. Something sick in our system is going on with the populace. You should not be praising Russia. They are not our friend. And to the extent that you are, you should be questioning why you're willing to praise a dystopian authoritarian regime that seeds propaganda that you're willing to believe. Now I need to tell you non-propaganda. I need to tell you the truth about vision computers. Y'all, what are your worries, I suspect, when you're getting a new computer? I know it is with mine, is when you get set up, uh, you got all your programs set up the way you want them set. you got your macros built in. Uh, press certain key combinations, get certain things to work. You've got your computer looking the way you want. you got the sound the way you want it. you got your screen and your visuals and your files and the place you want to work. If you go to vision computers and buy a computer from them, laptop or desktop, they can transfer everything over so you're not missing a beat. 
It's phenomenal, y'all. What they do, if you go to the big box store and you buy the one-size-fits-all computer, you can't do that with Vision. You can. And then they will be your service department. They're not going to have you call and stand in queue and leave your phone number and we'll call you back. They're going to answer the phone in 15 seconds or less, and they're going to help you out. It's what sets Vision Computer apart from everybody else. They're world-class customer service. They answer their phones. They keep themselves fully staffed for people. They know the flow of the day. They make sure there are people there to answer the phones. And when they build your computer for you, they can take everything the way you've got it set up on your existing computer and transfer it all over so it's just like it on the new computer. So you never miss a beat. You never have to relearn. The Vision Computer helps you along the way. You can call them at 404-COMPUTE, anywhere in the nation, 404-COMPUTE. They'll do business with them. You can also go to visioncomputer.com, visioncomputers.com. If you go to visioncomputers.com or 404-COMPUTE, tell them I sent you. They'll give you a great deal. You want to do business with Vision Computers. You really do. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show, the perfect blend of news, analysis, opinion, and cooking. Yeah, cooking. Want Eric's weekly recipes? They're super delicious. Text recipe to 33777 now. Welcome to the program. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation, 877-973-7425. Evan, you're up next. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, so you commented a little while ago about the uh, the mayors who wanted to fund uh, the police. Yeah. Yeah. Is that still is that still a topic? Oh yeah, um, go go I for it. I wanted to comment yeah. about that. Okay, all right. So this these uh, cities where the police are needed the most, where there's a lack of law enforcement that affects the people who need it the most, but over and over, it's, it's the voters of these inner cities. They yes. vote for these mayors. They vote for these councilmen. And so they've got nothing to complain about. You know, the old adage, you vote what you get for. Mm-hmm. And uh, and these are mostly run, like you said, the, the crime in the, the black neighborhoods is, is extremely high, which is where most of the crime comes from. Yet when the Democrats are in charge of these cities and have been for decades, the crime still goes on. Where's, you know, and the, but they profess to to want to help the black people, that the police are no good and all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah you know, and, and this is the thing, too. When, when you look, Evan, at, for example, what happened in Chicago, it was actually the uh, black voters of Chicago voted against the current mayor. Uh, it is the rich white progressives and the gangbangers allied together to get the uh, current mayor of Chicago in office. The black middle class voted against him. The white middle class, the Hispanic middle class, they all voted against him. It was rich white people in the inner city put that guy in office, and and Chicago's gotten far worse. And you see this time and time again. You see it in Kansas City as well. It's the progressive whites who are electing these, these people. Terrible. Now, Something that's awesome is Omaha Steaks. If you go to omahasteaks.com slash Eric today, you can get an incredible deal. Not only can you get an incredible deal from Omaha Steaks, you get eight burgers for free. You get some of the very best options from Omaha Steaks, like the caramel apple tartlets my wife loves, or the individual scalloped potatoes, or the butcher cut fillets. And the Omaha Steak Burgers, you get eight of them for free. You get over 50% off as well. In fact, it's 50% off site-wide right now at omahasteaks.com. Go to omahasteaks.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, today to get this package. And don't forget, you get 100% satisfaction guarantee as well. 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you are not happy, if you are the least bit satisfied, 
They want to make you happy because they want a lifetime relationship with you. They really want you to be a regular customer like I am. OmahaSteaks.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Go check them out. It's an incredible deal, over 50% off. You get eight burgers for free. There's so much more there as well. Seafood, ready-made sides, desserts, main courses, so much. OmahaSteaks.com slash Eric. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.